You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Oh, dear God, here come these listeners again. Oh, I'm all out of candy. Well, I guess I'll give them a podcast instead. Hold on, kids. I'm going to go get my bucket of podcast. This is the Pimpcron. This is the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, and I appreciate you all tuning in. This is episode four, where our main topic is Warhammer Adventures. Yours truly finally gets to try some solo satire in podcast form, and I will let you be the judge of exactly how that turns out. We will also be discussing the Mirmorn, Mirmorn, Mirmorn Banshees for Age of Sigmar, and uh, they are some pretty neat looking models. And we will also be reading some wonderful fan mail from somebody that is just a sheer delight. And you may be picking up on my uh, sarcasm there. <sighs> you know what? This is the spice of life. This is what makes everything exciting and interesting on my end. It can't all be fanfare, people. It can't all be fanfare. So we get a letter from a somewhat uh, irate reader of mine. And it's, it's exciting. It's interesting, I suppose. So we cover that. And we cover Warhammer Adventures and why children are just terrible and you should not allow them in your hobby. And then, we have even more for you. We will cover the, well, here's an idea section where I discuss what it's, I have been doing for years, and many of you may not know this, and it would be called Battle Honors for your models. And I have been doing this pretty much ever since I started, and I love this idea. So hopefully some of you guys will be inspired to do the same. And finally, we will be covering... My Brutality Skirmish War game, and it will be covering some of the factions. It's part four of the series, and it's covering some of the factions. So hopefully, you are going to listen to this, and you're going to love it. And whether you love it or you don't love it, how about you write in? How about you call? Pimpcron at gmail.com. And we also have a phone number that I never, ever remember. It's in the show notes. I really need to memorize this at some point, because... You know, it's it would be better to be like, hey guys, let's call the number at blah, blah, blah. And I don't remember what it is. It's got a bunch of ones in it, if that helps. Uh, I don't know if that helps or not. But anyway, let's get this show on the road and let's get to it. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey everybody, it's just me here, the Pimpcron, and... It is time again for the Tesseract Mailbox. Let's see the delightful message we have for us today. I read, Dear Stupid Named Piece of Shit Blogger, You are not funny, and your, quote, writing is garbage. You are a cancer on our hobby, and your name is promoting the sex trade. Please do us all a favor and kill yourself. Signed, Go to Hell. Well, go to hell, if that is your real name. I'm not convinced it is, but there are some strange... I don't know, maybe it sounds a little European. Go to hell? Um, that person sounds like a sheer delight to have at parties and bar mitzvahs and puppet shows and funerals. 
Um, needless to say, this is not the four, first or the last, um, shall we say, honest review of my work. And it interests me to think that this person has read at least one of my articles. And I have elicited this response from them. So, I have to say that one of my MOs in my blogging career has always been to Russell Jimmy's. And I get a sick pleasure out of upsetting people and aggravating them and saying things that I don't even believe myself in my satire just to get people upset or really it's to prove a point but it gets people upset and I enjoy that that's an that's an enjoyable byproduct of satire I'm not certain exactly what article set this person off but I have heard time and time again that my name promotes the sex trade which I did not realize that I was promoting the sex trade by a name I'm certain that the entire industry of sex slavery was just about to grind to a halt once and for all until, of course, I took up the moniker Pimpcron and then suddenly they're like, dude, that guy's awesome. Let's uh, just keep making sex slaves. And unfortunately, I do have that type of pull in the world. Um, so that's interesting they would say that. I don't really have anything else to say about this. Um, luckily, I don't care um, what people say, and like I said, I enjoy rustling jimmies, um, but sometimes it, it, it gets so hard to read this stuff, and, and they're, they're so mean, I just can't handle it, yep, just kidding, so, <laughs> You know, when I first started blogging, it actually did upset me. Uh, I mean, not cry, but I mean, it, it was, um, I felt a great amount of anxiety when I would uh, share a satirical article and people would like freak the hell out because they didn't understand satire. And, you know, I would, I would, uh, I just remember the rush I used to get, you know, I was so excited to get good, good comments. I was so excited to get bad comments and now... Honestly, I really enjoy all the nice things that people say about me, which um, I've gotten more fanfare uh, in the last year or two than uh, criticism. But occasionally I do get criticized, and I actually enjoy those comments more because they're very interesting. Now, please feel free to keep up the positive vibes in my direction because I do appreciate everything that people say that is nice because that's refreshing and that's part of the reason why I do it. But gosh darn it, I just love to grab a Jimmy and just rustle it, you know? Um, actually, I have a, a farm, a ranch of Jimmy's um, in the Midwest, and we, um, we rustle Jimmy's there. So anyway, um, this was an interesting letter. Thank you very much, Mr. Hell, and, or Mrs. Hell. I could be either. And unfortunately... Um, the sex trade is not going to stop and I will carry it to my grave that it is obviously my fault. The sex trade will not stop as long as I have this name because I'm such a celebrity 
and I have a lot of pull in the sex trade industry. So thank you very much for writing in and please keep the negative comments coming because I do get a chuckle out of them. Want that or want that not? Welcome to this edition of Want That or Want That Not. I am the Pimpcron. I'm joined here today by the man who watches me sleep at night against my consent. All the time, every time. Alex. Hey, guys. All right. So, today we will be covering the mirror... What was it called? The mirror... Some bullshit. Hold on. The mirror Morn Banshees for Age of Sigmar. So, these guys are from the Night Haunt uh, faction for Age of Sigmar. Um... I mean, honestly, it's a really cool-looking model. It's definitely a, a change of pace from the usual Banshees that you see from old-school you know, Warhammer Fantasy battles, which just is what a I lady. really like about it. Yeah, just some chick that you paint like a ghost? Yeah. Yeah. Um, these definitely look like a ghost, at least. Um, my first impression is that they are a ghost that crawled out of the toilet and are covered in toilet paper because that is exactly what they look like. Wet toilet paper ghosts. Wet, scary toilet paper ghosts, if yes. you ask me. Yes. And uh, what about the poses for this, Mr. Alex? I like that they're very dynamic. It's something that you not really find in some of the older models. It's hard to get that dynamic look. So to finally have them, for all intended purposes in this edition, master their dynamic poses and, and, mm -hmm. and movements, I think is great. However, as somebody who has to put them together a lot, it's kind of a bitch. I'm not going to lie. The spirit hosts are one of the worst models to put together. Yeah, no, I actually threw a spirit host against the wall out of frustration. <laughs> so I and now totally it haunts agree. You. Yeah, and it haunts me now. Yeah, spirit hosts, there's so many times that I've been just, screw it, I'm not putting this together. And I put it together how I want. Yeah. Because they've got those little teeny dimples and yeah. those little teeny divots behind these strands of ghost. And it's lame. Yeah, obviously somebody at Games Workshop is a sadist. These don't look that way, though. These look like they're solid. Yeah, and that's what I like about them, is that they kind of like learn from their mistakes, which is something to say when it comes to Games Workshop, learning something when it comes to making a mistake. Because, <laughs> I mean, I've played the game for 15 years, so obviously I've seen... All the dark times. All the dark times. <laughs> it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. <laughs> you know, everything in between. So trust me when I say that to see Games Workshop learning from their mistakes actually makes me excited for the future of the hobby. And I like personally that their uh, corsets there are obviously hollow, that there's nothing in them. Yeah, it know? adds an extra dimension. Yeah, and now they do appear to have some sort of skull. Like, do you see hanging out underneath that there? Yeah, it's like very spectral though, so I think it might be just like a manifestation. Just like how it's like the pooey toilet paper. Just imagine that toilet paper hardened into a jaw. That was like a really terrible bowel movement someone made. Yeah. And it actually haunted the toilet. Yep. It came back up and put on a corset and it's going to haunt your ass. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, what do you think about them having weapons? I think it's silly because, I mean, they're ghosts. But at the same time, it, it allows them, I guess, in the rule set. To say, okay, this is the weapon that they're wielding. Here is the stats for that weapon. And they always have banshee daggers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. which would make sense. This one's got a sigh. At the same time, it looks kind of silly. Yeah. And you feel like they could probably find another way to explain it. Um, as to like how they're doing their attacks. Now, in fairness, when you paint the model, you don't have to paint it like it's an actual dagger. You could paint it to look like it's a ghost. ghost a dagger. ghost dagger. A ghost dagger. So like it's the spirit of a dagger that was broken? Or just like, it's like they manifested it in their hands. They're ghosts. No. Right? No, I prefer that somebody horribly murdered these daggers 
and now they are co-haunting the well, model. Well, so, you know, some smith melted them down, and the daggers <laughs> are seeking revenge against all blacksmiths. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I'm and whitesmiths. And whitesmiths. And white you know, we're, we're an equal opportunity hate yes. group here. Yes. Um, and now, what about the base? The bases I like. I really like the bases. Uh, one of the things that always upset me, because I suck at making base work on models... So to see them finally start incorporating base work is like a wet dream for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it's pretty... They've got roses and vines on these, uh, uh, well, shards of stuff. The tombstone, pieces of the mausoleum and all that. But that's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, they make those bases that are uh, have the pre-made scenery on them. Yeah. And they sell those as separate sets, but these actually come with them, which I think is yeah. pretty neat. And even, honestly, the separate sets I would probably buy. Um, yeah. You know, for, like, special characters and models like that. But I run Imperial Guard, and if you're not, you know, throwing a bunch of units into the meat grinder, you're not playing guard right. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, honestly, no one could afford to do that many guard. Do a hundred guard in those special bases, you couldn't do it. Yeah. But, um, so all in all, I really do like these models, um, partially because I have a rock-hard uh, rock rager for everything Night Haunt right now. I play Night Haunt, and I'm so excited that they're getting more than just, uh, you know, four models. They had Spirit Hosts. Uh, Wraiths, Banshees, and the Black Coach was all that was part of Night Haunt. So it's actually nice that this new series is going to be getting... They've got like four or five new units at least, which yeah. um, are pretty sweet. Absolutely. So this comes down to the final verdict of want that or want that not. I am absolutely in the team of want that, and I'm sure I'll be buying these. What about you, Mr. Alex? I would say, even though I don't play the faction, it's a definite want. Even if, you know, just saying hypothetically, if I was playing the faction, I'd buy it. But since I don't, as a kit basher and avid fan of making custom models, I could really see using parts from this kit to incorporate. Whether it's like making demon hosts, or mm -hmm. if you want to like even put someone like on a land raider, chaos land raider that you want to make like zinchified. Yes. That you could would have be awesome. like spirits coming out of the land raider like it's haunted. That would be awesome. You know, you could do a lot with those models, which is what I really like about them. You said like a demon host too. Yeah, for yeah, for uh for inquisition. inquisition. Yeah. And um, like I could really see some cool stuff coming out of those models. So you are a want that. Yes, I am definitely a want that. As am I. Now here's an idea. Hey boys and girls, it's your old Uncle Pempcron, and today I would like to discuss how to add character and flair and style and narrative elements to your models. Namely, what I'm talking about are what I call battle honors. This is what I've been doing for a long time, and I really enjoy adding this element to my armies. What do battle honors mean? Well, basically, what I have been doing over the past... Gee, uh, about as long as I've been playing, honestly. And uh, I've been playing almost 10 years. I would have to sit down and think of how long. But, and for at least three quarters of that, I have been keeping a Word file on my computer of all of the heroic and amazingly non-statistical or unlikely shenanigans that my people have done. And, and that's a per-model basis, not per unit or anything. And basically, I have, I have given them a name per model, and I have usually given them some sort of physical battle honor on their model. So if they killed somebody like a Tyranid, they may have a Tyranid claw on their base or hanging off their belt or something like that. 
if they killed a demon prince, they may have like a demon skull on their base or something of that nature. And I also paint their name on the back of the base. Now, what I like to use all the purity seals for on my space marines is for awards and battle honors like that. So what I'll do is I will paint all of my purity seals uh, red wax with, you know, the normal cream colored litany paper or whatever it's called. But as soon as they actually earn a battle honor, I will change that color from red to whatever the particular honor is. So let's say three Space Marines do something completely amazing and completely unstatistical and unlikely, and they go above and beyond the duty, Call of Duty. I will change each one of them uh, on the model. I will change a purity seal to, let's say, lime green. So now they have a lime green purity seal, and it signifies that all three of them did the same thing at the same time. Or, you know, at another time I might make it purple, and I never reuse the same color. And it ends up being pretty neat. Uh, I'll just read a couple of these so you get an idea. So, for instance, uh, let's take a look down here. Okay, I have... And now, of course, the, the battle honors only happen for the people that survive in the unit. I never give battle honors for someone who died, because that doesn't make any sense. So to me, the person or the model has to survive the entire battle after doing something amazing. So you might start out with a 20-man squad of gene stealers, and at the very end of it, I only ended up with four of them. And I have here on my records here that I named them Goo, Ann, In, and E. And I figured those were kind of tyrannid names. And they earned their gold spines by killing a 10-man assault squad, Dante, his entire Sanguinary Guard, and exploding a Vindicator in one hit. And that was back in 2013 against my friend Alex. And that is pretty sweet. So I don't know if it was a 10-man squad originally, 15 or 20, but those four Gene Stealers survived the entire game. They earned their name, they got something special, and they are forever immortalized on my list. Let's do something else. My war, my uh, war, orc war boss, not my work or boss. My orc war boss got a black Templar tattoo because he assaulted and popped the land raider, then killed five man Terminator squad inside by himself against my friend Tim on, in 2012. And let's cover one more. Okay, here is a Chaos Space Marine Sergeant, or Champion, I guess they're called. And his name is Sergeant Anton. He earned his name and blue purity seal for being the first sergeant ever to ascend to being a demon prince in my army. This was back in 2015. So when they had the Chaos Boon tables, you know, if you rolled a, uh, I guess it was a 56 or a 66, you could have your character turn into a demon prince. And I notoriously never, ever, ever, ever rolled that ever, 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 ever. Okay. So I've only rolled this like twice in the history of ever. And good old Sergeant Anton was the very first person to ever do it. So you notice how I gave him a blue purity seal. And because I like reading these so much, I'm going to do another one. And uh, you can't stop me. Unless, of course, you uh, skip ahead. Here's a unit of Imperial Guardsmen. They're named, the unit is called the Macho Men. And they have, um, I, I paint my Imperial Guard 
units by color anyway. Like um, the Macho Men all have a, a bright orange headband and um, things like that. So in this unit, a guy named Ox, a guy named Riddick, and a guy named Spike earned their names as well as the entire unit earning a red purity seal for repelling a death company charge by Overwatch, allowing the artillery to blast them all to death. And that was my guard versus my friend James's Blood Angels back in 2015. And I often will say if I, you know, won the game or something like that. So, despite how much I love to read these off, I think you probably get the idea. And I think that draws so much more character into these models because I may not specifically remember exactly what that model did, but what I can do is when I put that unit together, I go, oh, dude, this guy did something really awesome. He's got some, and this sounds so stupid, you know, grown man talking like this, but it means a lot to me and it gives my models character. And I feel that if you do this as well, not only is it fun to look back on the cool things that you've done, but also it's pretty neat to have almost a ranking system in your units. Like, you know, you might have a 10-man tax squad, and over the years, three of them have earned their names and earned battle honors. Well, in my head, narratively, the way it makes sense is that those three guys would be senior. You know, they all have this, you know, gold scabbard um, uh, knife that they earned or something, you know, and um, that's basically it. Now, I did mention in that guard example that the entire unit was given purity seals because they did so amazing, but just those last three guys died. So um, maybe sometimes I don't follow my own rules, but generally I do. And I think that if you did this, you would really enjoy it as well. And it would add a lot of flavor and interest. So if you ever do this, let me know. Email me, call me, send me a carrier pigeon, something. I've used all the dating sites that are out there, and each one is exactly the same. Full of players and losers who only want one thing. That's when I found out about joining Pimpcron on Patreon. With a simple monthly donation, I get all of the love and support from Pimpcron that I could possibly want. See you later, dating websites. I've got the Patreon.com backslash Pimpcron. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Real Talk with the Pimp Cron, and I am yours truly, the Pimp Cron. And tonight I do not have any guest stars, so it is just me talking lovingly into the hair follicles of your ear canal. Okay, now that that's out of the way. Tonight I would like to discuss the fact that children and Warhammer Adventures is going to ruin our hobby as we know it, okay? I know there was a lot of talk when Age of Sigmar came out that it was going to ru ruin our hobby. I know there was a lot of talk when 8th Edition came out that it was going to ruin our hobby. But this is the real deal, people. This is going to destroy everything. This is basically end times for 40k um, and Age of Sigmar. Except after this, there will be no game. How would you like that? See, at first I thought, oh, it's just silly that people think that children are going to ruin this game for us by joining. And then it occurred to me that that is exactly what is going to happen. See, I am a bit of an expert on children because I own four of them. And 
unfortunately, me and my wife were young and dumb and kept opening up booster packs of family. And all we got were commons. Okay, this is for you magic players. You'll know what I'm saying. So we just got, you know, commons, mana. I'm sure one of my kids is mana. Trust me. And anyway, so the problem is, is that children are basically garbage human beings and they do not belong in our hobby. Like, for instance, what is the deal with kids? I mean, what what are they even? They're like adults, but they're small. You know, like if you're going to be like an adult, just be a normal size adult. What's with all this, you know, being little nonsense and not talking right and not knowing math or reading? It's just stupid. They're basically reverse Primaris is basically what they are. Nobody likes Primaris. Nobody's buying Primaris because Primaris are just space marines, but big. It's a very simple yet stupid concept. And that's basically what children are. They're adults, but small. Here's some examples how this is going to ruin your hobby. First of all, children, okay? They're going to need snacks when they're at your store. They start reading these books, they start getting into the games, and then they start playing at your store. When you go to the snack uh, section of your store, guess what? No more Monster Energy drink, because children can't have that. Now it's all Ecto Cooler and High C and Capri Sun. How do you like that? But Pimpcron, I like Capri Sun, you say. Well, shut up. I'm talking to the people that don't like Capri Sun, okay? By the way, Capri Sun used to be way better years ago when I was a child, when I was a terrible human being. And now it's all watery. I mean, it's got like half the sugar, but anyway. So our snack section of our stores are going to be ruined with, um, you know, applesauce packets, high C, ecto cooler, fruit snacks, and no more of our adult beverages. It's going to be just awful. Secondly, children are dirty. Okay. They've got sticky hands they don't bathe unless we make them, unless we literally throw them into a tub of water and bathe them, okay? Children don't have jobs. Think about this for a second. These are basically deadbeat customers that are not going to buy product. They're going to rely on somebody else, like some sort of older guardian-type person that takes care of them and buys them things, basically like a biological sugar mama or sugar daddy is basically the equivalent of that. So you've got these customers in here taking up space, taking up table space, by the way, not buying things, ruining your snack bar. I mean, do I have to spell this out to all of you? You do not want children in your store. Matter of fact, like I said, they stink, which, okay, I'll overlook that one because a lot of you stink. But the point still stands that, yes, we may have some man-children in our club. Yes, some of them don't bathe unless you physically throw them in a tub and wash them, just like a child. But, actually, some of them don't have jobs. But you know what? The point is, is that they are normal-sized people. They're not reverse primaris adults. And uh, they can grow facial hair. That's a big selling point to this, that they can grow facial hair, and that means that they're a full adult. Go look around for a little kid that can grow facial hair. You're not going to find one, because children are just weird, miniature adults. So, um, 
now the, some people say the the argument is is that you know um that GW is just trying to find a new market they're trying to grow new customers and to that i say okay well i guess you are sure i mean all right well maybe if some kids read these books they will get into our hobby and they will be future customers and okay i'll make that concession that if they do buy things and they grow up in this hobby then gw will make more money and I suppose that it could be argued that if GW makes more money, they will make more miniatures and be a larger company that we can enjoy more. But, uh, okay, I guess you could also say that many of us found this game as children and we didn't ruin the hobby. But honestly, I think all of that is irrelevant because children can't grow facial hair. Are you even listening to what I'm saying? And they are just not adults. Well, I okay. So I guess attracting new customers to our hobby would not be so bad. Uh, I'll concede that. I also guess that technically, if you're technically speaking... More money the GW makes is better for all of us because we get more of what we like, which is this hobby. I guess you could also say, in some sort of weird mirror universe, that preteen books set in our setting that we like is not really going to affect our game any. Uh, you could say that. I think it's kind of bullshit, but... Okay, I could see that the argument could be made that new players, no matter who they are, are good for the hobby. Okay, I'll, I'll concede all that. Those are good points, okay? I just feel like, regardless of whatever um, facts or evidence that you may bring up that is saying that you know, maybe growing a new generation of wargamers may not be the worst idea in the world. And maybe preteen books about Warhammer don't really affect my wargame. But I just don't think that you're really listening to me. Because I don't care about your facts. What I care about is that I am a grown damn man. And I am irate about children. I, I guess in general, I'm just I'm just mad. Like I'm, although admittedly I'm generally angry. So that's kind of a bad point to make. And honestly, I guess it doesn't make sense. I mean, really, I guess their their preteen book wouldn't affect my game. It's not like they're going to be rewriting the codex. Um. Well. Okay. I've kind of. I see all those points, and I suppose that I could redact everything that I've already said, but I think my points still stand about the fruit snacks. Let's get brutal. Hey everybody, it's that time again for Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, where we discuss my free rules Use your own models, RPG light skirmish war game called Brutality Skirmish War Game. 
and we dive into just a couple minutes of the lore behind the game, which I have um, painstakingly created in the last three and a half years. And um, you can find all this in the show notes at the link. And today, I want to dive into the denizens of the Aether Realm. I may not get to all of them, but I will start covering the major factions. So, over the countless ages that Ishtar's secret plot has been going on, sentient beings from every corner of time and space have been trapped. And oftentimes, like minds, will come together. So, the first group I'd like to talk about is Efren's Consortium. The arrogant and boisterous Efren is the iron-fisted leader of the Aether Realm's biggest crime syndicate. This is likely um, the largest organization of any kind on the continent, and has its hand in everything from slaving, to banking, to gambling, to making booze, to uh, you know running drugs, everything. And this cartel is always making and betraying new allies. And the consortium includes beings from all walks of life. Now, this may be more important later on when we talk about other factions. But the Efren's Consortium is just a bunch, you know, a hive of scum and villainy, as they say. And But it takes everybody. It's pretty much an equal opportunity uh, crime syndicate. And um, outposts can be found throughout the Aether Realm, but nobody knows exactly where Efren actually lives. The owner of such an organ, such a prosperous organization, does not earn the title of owner by being foolish, and nobody knows what Efrent looks like. So who knows? He could actually just be a um, a myth for all we know. But somebody runs Efrent's consortium. And um, the next one is a really big player in here is Cult of the One Mother. Now, surely the single largest religious movement in all of the Aether Realm, it consists of devout worshippers of Ishtar herself. Now, there's a ton of people, maybe the majority of people in this realm, hate and despise Ishtar, even though they're still willing to kill for her and pray to her because they want to get out. But the cult of the One Mother takes the completely different route, and they go, you know what, no, we're going to suck up to this lady because she's going to bless us. Um, they claim that they carry out her will, but most people feel like that's just an excuse to carry out every depraved idea they can come up with. Um, madness runs deep in this organization, and they are well known for their drug-induced fits and particular taste for cruelty. There are temples and ritual sites and cathedrals that can be found all over Ishtar's realm, waving banners emblazoned with her symbol, and that's an eight-pointed star. And um, that is all historically accurate, this eight-point star. And uh, whether through her arcane support or some other devious method, this group is home to some of the most powerful sorcerers in the Aether Realm. Now, of course, sorcerers is kind of loosely used. Magic, of course, does exist in this realm, but also technology does. So you could be a techno-sorcerer, a technomancer, something like that as well, and you'd be classified as a sorcerer because you do things that are, you know, extraordinary. Um, their colors for the Cult of the One Mother are typically blue and gold, but some offshoots of the cult uh, use green and gold. And both of, them both of those combinations are the colors of Ishtar anyway, historically. So it's fine. Now, the Colgite Matrix is a completely different breed of group. Um, all types of sentient androids, cyborgs, and robots form this coalition. All emotion is banned and is punishable by exile. Now, this group may be the most politically neutral between all the other major players, 
um, because the um, uh, wars and strife between other factions are often over food. So this, of course, is not a problem for the Kalgites, and they do well by generally keeping out of other factions' dealings. But they eternally search for new technology and energy sources, and no force in the Aether Realm can stop them from obtaining it once they find out about it. Um, their domain is in the Crystal Blooms near the Vulture Belt, which, of course, you'd have to look at the map to even figure out what I'm talking about. But it's especially scary. Okay, so robots that don't actually have a soul... Um, it's especially scary for them because there is no such thing as these save points that we find out about. Um, nobody is really sure why androids show up in the Aether Realm. They don't know if maybe um, Ishtar gets confused when she's plucking people and she sees something that is very similar to us. Um, you know, she is from back in the BCE era, so who knows? Maybe she's not familiar with robots, although that seems a little bit of a... Uh, um, a naive thought to think that, you know, out of all the dimensions she's seen, she's never seen a robot. But that's all the time that we have for tonight. So we've covered Efren's Consortium, the Cult of the One Mother, and the Colgite Matrix. And I will catch you next week while we get brutal.